good morning. Good to see all of you today. Good, good crowd this morning. We, um, today we're finishing up a series called Circles. They mean more than you think. And uh, by circles, of course, we mean relationship circles. God created all of us to be in relationship with him and with each other. We talked about that the first week. We've been looking at our, our mission statement, gather, grow, go. And so on the first Sunday of this series, we talked about gather. God created us to gather together. I, um, I had a, a, an awesome group of friends in high school, and you know, we were all, you know, we were all kind of church kids, and we didn't get in trouble a lot. And, and so some of my favorite memories from high school are just sitting around the campfire circled up with my buddies, solving the world's problems, solving girl problems, or trying to anyway, and uh, we just, I just, I have such great memories like that, and next summer is, is a, uh, well, it's a reunion that I won't tell you the number, um, but uh, we're, we already have plans, us guys already have plans, we're going to try to go camping for a night, all of us old guys now, and we're going to circle up around a campfire, and we're still going to solve the world's problems, and we're still going to try to solve uh, girl problems. This time it'll be our cute wives instead of the cute girl in math class. I got in trouble for not saying cute wives this morning when my wife was in here. But uh, we're, we're still probably going to try to do all of those things, and, and I can't wait because there's just there's something really cool that can happen when you're circled up around a campfire or circled up around a dinner table, or circled up around somebody's living room, or circled up around a classroom in a small group setting, cool things can happen when we gather together and we circle up. And so that's what we talked about the first week. And then the second week, uh, last week, Pastor Kyle filled in for me, and thank you for filling in. Originally, I was going to preach all three of these messages, but we ended up moving last week, finally, and getting my family here, so that's awesome. So Kyle stepped in, and he talked about, he talked about the word grow. And that's really important because when we gather, we grow. When we gather, we grow. And I love Kyle's observation last week that all of us are growing in one way or another. And I'm not talking about getting fat, although some of us are doing that, I guess. All of us are growing. We're either growing in, in ways like um, negativity and bitterness and unforgiveness and complaining and fear and doubt and things like that. We're either growing in those kinds of areas or we're growing in things like faith Things like hope, things like compassion, things like what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things. We're all growing. And here's the thing about that. The people we gather with the most are going to influence how we're growing. The people we gather with the most are going to influence. If you're always hanging around people who are just negative and they just complain about everything and nothing's ever good enough or they're always just afraid and worrying about everything, guess what? After a while, you're going to start growing in those areas. On the other hand, if you, if you hang out with people mostly in, in, in your circles who, who they trust God and they believe His promises and they're, and they're positive and, and they're filled with hope, and they're filled with compassion, you're going to grow in those areas. Because when we gather, we grow. Well, today, we're focusing on the last word, and that's go. Go is an interesting word, isn't it? It's, it's a little bitty word. It means a lot of different things. Um, 
We use it in a lot of different ways, don't we? Uh, the other day, we were driving down the road with my son, and all, all of us, in fact, were in the car. And our oldest is 13. He's going to be 14 in a couple months, which means he's going to be driving. We're going to blink, I know, and he's going to be driving. And if it was up to him, he'd be driving yesterday. And so uh, sometimes he likes to kind of critique our driving. And the other day, we were, we were driving. We were kind of in a hurry to get somewhere, and the light turned yellow. And so I stopped. And he said, Dad, why'd you stop? We're in a hurry. And I said, son, the light turned yellow. So I stopped. And he said, Dad, don't you know yellow means go faster? <laughs> I guess sometimes maybe it does. But um, we, we use that word in a lot of different ways, don't we? The fact is the Bible uses that word in a lot of different ways too. In fact, it, just in the New Testament alone, that word is found over 400 times. The word go is found over 400 times. And one of those examples is in Mark chapter 5. If you want to turn there in your Bible or in your Bible app, if you have one on your phone, uh, let me just real quickly summarize the story. In this, in this uh, chapter, we, we encounter a man who'd been possessed by demons. And so he met Jesus. Jesus delivered him. He cast these demons out, and these demons went into a herd of pigs. And a lot of you, I'm sure, know the story. These pigs went running off a cliff. They went running into the sea, and they died. And let me just say that whenever Satan is involved in something, destruction always follows. That's what he's about, is bringing destruction to our lives, to our relationships, uh, to everything. And so this man, his life was just being destroyed, and then these, these demons were cast out by Jesus. They went into these pigs, they destroyed the pigs, and then that's usually where we stop the story. But if you read through there, that's really not where the story ends, because it continues. And it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus said, no, no. You can't go. So think about this for a minute. Jesus had just healed this man. He had brought complete and utter transformation to this man's life. So it's only natural that he wanted to linger in Jesus' presence, isn't it? He wanted to go with him. Jesus, please, let me go with you. I'll travel around the country with you. I'll be part of whatever it is you're doing. I just, I don't want to leave your presence. Sometimes we have services like that, don't we? This morning's service was kind of like that. People were just lingering. When we have uh, the gathering on Sunday nights, we do that a few times a year. Usually God's presence is, is just so real and so evident that people don't want to leave the sanctuary. They just want to linger in his presence. And that's what this man was experiencing. He just wanted to linger there. And in a response that might surprise us a little bit at first. Jesus says no. He says no. Let me just say, kind of a little side note. Um, we've been talking about growth, and growth has to do with maturity. One of the biggest indicators of a person's growth and maturity is how we respond when we're told no. How do you respond when you're told no? How do you respond when you want something, when you want to do something, you want to go somewhere, you have this preference, and somebody says no? How do you respond? That's a big indicator 
of our growth and maturity. And so Jesus tells this man no, but why does he do that? He says, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. There's our, there's our word go. That kind of sounds like Sesame Street, doesn't it? The word of the day is go. He says, no, go to your family, tell them everything. See, in the, in the Greek language of the New Testament, just like in our English, that word go can, can be used in a lot of different ways. And the way that it's used here, it kind of means, it means to, to depart or to remove yourself from a teacher. And so the teacher, in this case Jesus, is telling this man, I want you to depart from my presence. I want you to remove yourself from my presence. Now that sounds kind of, that sounds kind of mean, doesn't it? I mean, face it, sometimes you want to tell somebody else to depart from your presence, right? But it's not for the same reasons that Jesus tells this guy. No, Jesus tells this guy, depart from my presence, remove yourself from my presence, because he has a mission for this guy. He has a mission, and that mission is to go home. It's to go to his, his old life that he had before he became possessed by all these demons, before destruction came. By the way, I said that wherever Satan is, uh, destruction follows, but this story also tells us that wherever Jesus is, healing and freedom and deliverance follows. And so Jesus tells this guy, I want you to go home, I want you to go back to your ordinary, your everyday life, and I just want you to tell your loved ones what you've experienced in me. That was his mission. And so how did he respond? How did he respond when he was told no? It continues, the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and he began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. How did this, this little baby follower of Jesus respond? He responded with complete, humble obedience. That's the only response really to have. When Jesus tells us no, or when Jesus tells us yes, when Jesus tells us anything, the only real response we can have is humble obedience and say, okay, God, this isn't what I envisioned. This isn't, isn't really what I wanted, but I want what you want most of all. And so that's what this guy does. So here's, here's a summary of this story. This man has a life-changing encounter with Jesus. He naturally wants to linger in Jesus' presence. Jesus says, no, you can't linger in my presence. I want you to go and tell others what God has done in your life. And then the man humbly obeys. That's the story. And that's my favorite part of the whole story. So what's in this for us? What's our takeaway? As much as we may want to linger, God has a mission for us too, folks. He has a mission for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, then he has a mission for you. And he has a mission for me. It's easy for us to get caught up in the gathering and the growing, isn't it? I mean, that's where we're comfortable. We gather in here in this sanctuary with, with mostly other people who love Jesus. 
and we gather in our small groups and we gather in other circles that's and you know those circles the longer you're a christian the more those circles are com- composed of just other believers And so the longer you're a Christian, the more intentional you have to be about making sure that there are unchurched people in your circles because God has a mission for you with them. You see, our mission is not gather, grow, linger. It's gather, grow, what? Go. It's gather, grow, go. And so here's the big idea today. The purpose of the gathering is to grow. The purpose of coming together in our circles, whether it be in here or in small groups, the purpose of that is to grow. But don't forget that the purpose of growing ultimately is so that we can go. You see, God's intention for the church has never been been to, to create a group of people who just get fed and get fed and get fed until they're just spiritually fat and happy. That has never been God's intention. You look at the first people that Jesus called to be his disciples. They were out fishing on the boat. And he said, come and follow me and I will make you what? You know the story? I will make you fishers of men. In other words, I will teach you how to, how to do the work of God's kingdom and, and invite people to follow God and to love God. And then not long after that, he sent the disciples out two by two. And he said, go do the work of the kingdom in my name. And then before he ascended into heaven, after he rose from the dead, what did he tell his disciples? He said, go and make other disciples. Go and be my witnesses. Go. That's always been the purpose, the ultimate purpose of the church. It is to go and tell the world that God loves them. Even in our, even in our sin, in our shame, in our fear, in our doubt, God loves us and he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That's the message that he wants us to go and take to the ends of the earth. And so we gather and we grow and we go. Think about it this way. Um, if you think about eating, which most of you probably already are thinking about eating, Um, you think about the room of the house, the room of your house that you associate most with eating. Probably the kitchen, right? But when you think about it, the, the kitchen isn't really where the eating takes place unless you're cooking the food and you're sampling as you go, which I like to do and my wife hates it. But, um, you know, theoretically, it's just the preparing that takes place in the kitchen. The actual eating, the actual task of eating takes place theoretically in the dining room or for some people in the living room around the TV, I guess. What if we started looking at church? What if we started viewing church and what if we started viewing small groups? What if we started viewing the the circles that we gather in with other believers? What if we started viewing those places as more like the kitchen? Where God prepares us to go into the world to do his work. That doesn't mean that his work doesn't happen here when we gather. Of course it does. But what if the ultimate task that he has for us is outside these walls? And outside the walls of your small group. 
And what happens in those places is meant to prepare you to go out there. The purpose of gathering is to grow. But, but, but the purpose of growing is to go. So the only question really that remains then is, what does go look like for you? What does go look like for me? I want to show you a commercial. Um, well, I'll just, I'll just start it. If you remember that commercial or that line of commercials, I'm not even going to tell you that it's like 20 years old. I'm not even going to mention that because I don't want you to feel old. Here's why I want to show you that commercial. There is a line of thinking out there nowadays that seems to imply if you're not doing something wild and crazy for Jesus, if your life doesn't, as I like to say, if your life doesn't look like a Mountain Dew commercial that got saved, then, then there's something wrong with your faith. You're not really going the way Jesus told us to if you're not doing something that's just, just crazy for Jesus. There's a, there's a group, I just found out about them this summer. There's a group that's called Extreme Nazarenes. And here's what they do. It is, it, it's pretty extreme. They leave their job, they leave their comfortable life, they go to South America for two years to plant churches, they train and they raise up uh, local leaders, and after two years they, they leave, and they leave the, church, the churches that they've planted in the hands of these local leaders. That's, that's pretty extreme. That's a pretty radical thing to do for Jesus, isn't it? But that's not even the end of it. Right now they're raising money, by riding their bicycles, not motorcycles, their bicycles, as in that you pedal, literally from the west coast of the United States to the east coast of the United States. They're, they're riding that entire way on their bikes to raise money for their next two-year mission to South America. That's pretty extreme, isn't it? And they sleep on the floor of Nazarene churches that will host them. They ride like 40 miles a day or something like that. That makes me tired thinking about it. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty radical and wild. That's a crazy thing to do for Jesus. If God calls you to do something like that, if he tells you to go in that way, do you trust him enough to do it? Do I trust him enough to do it? Does that, does that make you feel kind of nervous thinking about something like that? Something wild and crazy? Let me let you off the hook just a little bit. Just a little bit. If God calls you to do something wild and crazy like that, if that's what go means for you, then by all means, trust him enough to go and do it. But here's where I'm letting you off the hook a little. Most people God doesn't call to do that. Some people he does. You know what he calls most of us to do? Same thing he called this guy to do. Go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you. And how merciful he's been. In other words, most of us, what God calls us to do is to simply go about our average, everyday, ordinary lives that look nothing like a Mountain Dew commercial. Thank God some of you are saying. 
Go about your average, ordinary, everyday life shining the light and love of Jesus on the people around you. To your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, to the cashier at Walmart, to the people you do business with, to people at the gym, to people whose kids your kids play ball with. Simply go about your average, everyday life shining the light and love of Jesus. That's what go means for most of us. So who is in your life today? Who is in your circles? Who as you think about it and you pray about it, you would say, you know what? I know God has that person in my circle so that I can influence them and point them to him. So that I can tell them what God's done in my life. Who is in your life that you would say that about? In fact, that brings us to the most important circle principle. And that is make sure that you're including unchurched people in your circles. Because if you're not, and again, the longer you're a Christian, the more intentional about this we have to be. But if we never include unchurched people, if we're never around unchurched people, if we never engage unchurched people, then how in the world are we going to tell them what God's done in our lives? How in the world are we going to point them to Him? How in the world are we going to show them His love, His life-changing, transforming love? Make sure there are unchurched people in at least some of your circles. And even when you do gather in a circle of, of other Jesus followers, don't forget that the purpose of gathering is to grow and the purpose of growing is to go. So let me leave you with this illustration today. I have a sponge. And this sponge is you. This sponge is me. This bowl of water, this is, this is like the church. We come to church. We come to, to small groups. And we immerse ourselves. And just like this sponge, you, know, you put this sponge in the water, it soaks up the water and it expands a little bit. It grows. In the same way, we gather together with our, our church family and we grow. But if I leave that sponge right there, what's it doing? Nothing. Nothing. We might say it's, well, it's spiritually fat and happy. If this sponge is going to, if it's going to fulfill its purpose, what do I have to do? I've got I to take the sponge out of the water and I've got to wring it out. In the same way, we've got to let God take us away from this place, take us away from our small groups, take us away sometimes from our our circles of other believers so that He can pour out His love on people we know who don't know Jesus. We can't linger in the bowl, folks. We've got to let God take us out of the bowl so that we can fulfill our purpose as Christians, which is ultimately soaking this world with his light and his love.
And that is why our circles mean more than you think. Would you stand with us? As we sing this song, I want to I encourage you to just, just make this song your prayer today. Think about all the circles in your life. This song is called Build Your Kingdom Here. And it talks about changing our country and, and you know, changing the church. But would you personalize it this morning? And would you say, God, would you build your kingdom in my circles today? And this week and this month and this year, would you build your kingdom in every one of the circles that I'm a part of? Because that's the purpose that God has for you. And that's why you have those circles. Let's sing this song as we prepare to go. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let me, let me share with you a couple quick things. Um, one of the ways that we have gone recently as the church is we've taken some backpacks. 281, I believe, over to the middle school. Every one of those is a seed planted, folks. Pray that God will water and harvest those seeds. But uh, are you ready to go? Let's go. Let's go out these walls and let's be the light and the love of Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.